Veteran Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. And hello gardening friends, the whole team is here. We've got Bev Daring, John Glidden and you're with Faye and Ray. You can call in early if you like. 94841927 is our number and you can also email us by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. That's the easiest way to contact us. Huge shout out to the clever, witty and yes, sometimes naughty Alan Simons for another racy breakfast show. And he was supported by our very own Bev Daring this morning. Thank you, Bev, getting up bright and early to assist Alan. And we also had our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, for his update just now. So thank you very much, Jim. And good morning to Faye Akaro. How are you? Very good, Ray. Yeah, and yeah. how are you? I'm going not too badly, actually. Yeah. Uh, I had a little bit of play in my garden this week, which makes me a heck of a lot happier. I know yeah, the feeling. What yeah. have you done? Oh, I've been moving things around. Um, <laughs> things have been... Surprised? Yeah. Things have been either taken out of pots and may, some things have gone into the ground or vice versa and just relocating and... Uh, buying a few different plants here and there and adding in a bit of colour as well. Uh, yeah, Do and tell. planting my bulbs. And, yeah, so, I have, yeah, I've been, I've, yeah, I, I do what I can as, as much as I can during the week. I've got a few plans this afternoon. Um, my other half doesn't know that yet, but, you know. Well, tell us what you've bought. Tell me what I've bought. Um, I, I'm just trying to think. I've Well, I bought an indoor plant. Don't even ask me what it is. Um, I can't tell you off the top of my head. I always pick up an indoor plant on, in my in my travels. <laughs> I understand. Just recently, I bought another Bell Mark. So I've got <gasps> two now. Yeah, I bought a Bell, another one for my, it's in my bedroom at the moment. I've been a, becoming addicted to the rare plants that are, you can access mm. online and the auctions and the sales. I find myself checking that every day. <laughs> I know, I know, and bidding, I know, and uh, I lost out on something that I did want recently because my bid just came in a little bit too late. Oh, I got distracted. It, hurts, it does it? hurt when I missed out, and I would have had it. Um, I bought. It's an. I. I see. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, you put me on the spot. In so far as I, it's a. It's a Nivea hybrid to a Nivea Aromophila, and this one produces a pink flower, and it's very very pretty. And I just saw it in the nursery, and I thought, mm, I'll give you a go. And I've just thrown it into the ground. I was going to put it in a pot, but I thought no. I do like the, the Aromophila Nivea. I must admit, after I picked this bunch of flowers this morning, I thought mm. Mm, I. I should have put some of the grey foliage in there from the Eremophila nivea, which, of course, is it's got a soft 
grey leaf, almost oh, white with beautiful, beautiful purple flowers. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, it is one of my faves, mm. and it's very easy to maintain, and it always looks very specky, and you can keep it into a nice shape. And uh, so this one is a little bit different. I'm always a bit uh, suspicious of hy- hybrids sometimes when they're new. Because uh, I did see one that was set aside to where these plants were displayed that had really t- turned up its toes. And I thought, mm. yeah, I wonder if that's what you guys do. Uh, sometimes it's trial and error in the garden. But as I say, I planted, I was mentioning last week, I had some hippiastrum bulbs. I, I've planted them. I've put some uh, potted colour around the top because I know they're not going to come up uh, and probably not flower this year in any case. But uh, so rather than having a pot sitting there empty, I've got little flowers, you know, happening. So what, what potted colour have you got, Ray? Well, I bought some, and I don't like it, I know you do, I bought some Ellison, but I go for the um, purples and those mm. shades of Ellison because I like it. I love my violas, and I know that they won't last very long, but I do like to have those. And I bought uh, some Everlastings, and uh, I popped them into a pot. Uh, just to give add some some colour in, and uh, as I say, I've been moving things out of pots and into the ground, and so on. <laughs> as the show goes along, I shall remember more for you, Faye. Very good. Yes. Well, I've been I've been doing similar. I had all all my indoor plants inside for the winter, the ones that were a bit sensitive, and I started to look at everything in pots, and I'm thinking, oh, you need to be repotted. And and mm, when I looked at mm. how much I had to repot, Ray, yeah. I said, no, I'd have to take out a second mortgage. Yeah, this is- We do. This will be a good one for him. Okay, so Daryl's joining us at about 10 to 9. Uh, He will be talking about the latest biosecurity blitz and no doubt we'll we'll touch on uh, pests and what we need to look for out there at the moment. And at 20 past eight, we're chatting with Fiona Blackham uh, from Gaia. Gaia, is that Gaia Permaculture. Yes, Gaia Permaculture. Gaia, Gaia. yes. And uh, we've chatted with Fiona before and we're talking about the benefits and design of permaculture and some water saving tips for our gardens, which we all want this time of the year. Um, Obviously, our sprinklers are not on. We don't need them on the way that things are. Our rainfall, John bought me some figures here, 61 mils so far in September. Now, last year, the total for September was 62.2. So there's... We're We're on track. We're definitely on track to... Uh, beat that and the average in September the 10 year average or thereof is 87 mils so I think we could get there actually because we do have rain forecast for the rest of this week not a lot of rain each day but there's rain around so I think it'd be interesting I think we could get up to there I hope we do so the more rain the better I think last week we had rain overnight and beautiful days and and I thought I remember back to a year where that I was happening that. a lot. Mm. And it's it's so good for the garden, isn't it? Oh. And it means we can get our jobs done yeah, and, and then, then just it gets let it watered rain. in at night. I know. It doesn't get any better than that. I also planted some my gladiolo bulbs that I have. I, mm. I pop those into the ground. So I've been just doing little chores, you mm. know, when you have little niggly jobs and just repotting uh, things. And I also... Uh, 
I like to get my seaweed and I put it into a bucket and I fill up the bucket and I drop my plants in there. A few things that, you know, needing a mm. bit more attention. I did that yesterday with my Ripsalis and we're talking about Ripsalises too with um, Daryl because he's also a big Ripsalis fan. He is. So I did, that was one of my chores during the week as well. So I had lots of spasmodic jobs, mm. you know. And, oh, um, they'll pay dividends in the yeah, long run. Yeah, oh, it, always, it, it always does, absolutely. Okay, well, it's enough about us. Uh, we're heading to Mundaring. We're chatting with Margaret. Good morning. Hi, Margaret. Good morning, girls. Morning. Um, just uh, with regarding secateurs and, and sterilisation when you're pruning, it, can I just put some meths in a jam jar and, and have it out with me and dip it, dip the secateurs in? Because I thought meths wouldn't um, cre- damage the secateurs and wouldn't create any rust. Perfect. Yes. Yes. That or or bleach is, is fine, sufficient? Margaret. That's sufficient to sterilise. Yes. The mess. Yes. Oh, good, good, good. And just to let you know, I found some lots of bright red slimy mould <gasps> on my red gum. Oh, wow! Slime mould, not in sap. The, in, oh, slime mould. What did I call it? <laughs> yeah, no, you did say slime mould. So not <laughs> um, sap. Yeah, during the the really because we've had quite a wet winter up here, and um, so. Um, I was just amazed. It was so easy to find <laughs> bright red one. So, well, you've got your eye in now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, Karina and I went up to Margaret's. Yes, that's few, right. Quite a few weeks ago now, and and had a great time. We did have a good time. The best was Margaret's woodpile of many years. <laughs> of what you could find in there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's lots of old red gum. And we were like kids in a lolly shop, like oohs and ahs as we turned over another piece of wood and there's another another colony of slime mould emerging. Living so there. exciting, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm I'm you can see my <laughs> enthusiasm. My, my, yeah, be still my beating heart. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only teasing. We'd love some photos of that, Margaret, if you can send them through, that would be great. Oh no, sorry, I can't do that. Okay. That's Having right. a problem with yeah. Sorry, I can't do that. Well, it was anyway, lovely to hear. Um, Karina and Faye have got the photos. Okay. okay. I, I actually have a video of Karina leaving the the log pile with a branch about two metres long did and trying to fit it, it in the car. Did home? Yep. Yeah. And mm. on her head, she's got her sewing. You know, she does fine needlepoint. And so she's got this light that she has on her head Oh, yes, head torch, yeah. Yeah, just to give you the full picture. (laughs) I've got it, yeah. (laughs) It was a a lot of fun, Margaret. You've got a beautiful property there, and I bet it's bursting to life with flowers even more so now. I'm surprised to hear your sun orchids are coming out, the blue ones that grow on one stem. Uh, Yes, but mine are the very, very small ones. So I'm I'm pretty sure they're a thalamitra. Uh, but which variety I have to check. Yeah. I get rusty from year to year. Yeah, because my sun orchids don't come out until Novemberish. You've probably got the big, big I've ones. Got the tall one gets about 12 flowers on one stem. Yes. Oh, my word. Yeah. So I've got others in the same family, uh, lep- leopard orchid, uh, and they're possibly uh, shirt orchids in the area, and I think they're the oh. same family. Right. Mm. Yeah. 
Oh, well, thank you for your call today, Margaret. Nice yes. to hear from you. Thanks for your little rundown about your orchids too. Very interesting. <laughs> Thanks, Margaret. Thank you. Bye. 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 Right, now we will have a quick break. When we return, we're chatting with David and Liz and we're also chatting with our special guest coming up, Fiona Blackham. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Now, David and Liz, stay with us. We do have Fiona online and we will be back with you very soon. I hope you I hope you can hold. Fiona, good morning. You're with Ray and Faye. How are you? Hello. Oh, hi, Faye. Sorry, you're talking to me. It's Fiona. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, Fiona. Oh, lovely to have you on the show. Uh, how are you today? I'm good. It's pretty cold up where I am this morning. It's um, I've been out in the garden already this morning and I thought I'd come in here and have a chat to you. Thank you for inviting me, Faye. Oh, it's our pleasure. Well, you are full and of Ray. knowledge and we... We always love to learn more, but particularly you're here today because, you know, that big topic of water surrounds us everywhere we look. It affects every aspect of our gardening. And I know some of us are still reeling from the impact of uh, thinking that our bores are being restricted to two days a week. So let's upskill. I want to learn i mean i garden a lot and we're on sandy soil but i want to know if there's anything i can be doing better to use less water yeah no it's a great question and it is a hot topic um Mm. i think um i know certainly my my dad was um you know we they've got a bore down at their house down at geograph bay and um having to come back to two days a week using the bore when you're so used to having that uh, resource available to you. I've been on um, tank water for about 20 years now, on an, most of that 20 years. So for me, um, and, and not having a bore. Um, so for me, I think also as a permaculture designer and looking at property um, and having to rely on tank water through summer and have a productive garden, um, it's something that's it's become just normal for me. And granted, I am in the hills, so I do have clay. So it's a little bit different to where you are, Faye, with your sand. Yeah. Um, it's a different approach. But um, in, I guess, as a permaculturalist, so I'm going to be coming from, from that angle, really, because that's how my, my brain's been thinking for the last 15 years as, as a designer. Um, one of the key things we look at, obviously, is water. And it's a resource. It's very precious. It's decreasing. In the months that we're used to having it, we'll be getting more rain at the wrong time of year, I guess you could say, in summer. Um, And trying to adapt our gardens to be able to cope with those changes as we go forwards as well um, and what we can do. So I guess I could run through from from my perspective a few things that I look at if I'm working with a property or working just in my own garden, if you want. Yeah, that'd be great. So from a... This is... Permaculture Design 101 in 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> so designing, uh, one of the key things we look at is the, the sun. Where does it go up? Where does it go down? Mm. Um, at different times of year, that changes. Yes. And how high it is in the sky changes as well. And so we look at how the sun affects um, or, or moves across a property and where are the hot spots that are going to, going to be? Where is soil going to be exposed? And definitely in urban environments nowadays as well, there's a lot of uh, urban infill, shall we call it. There's a lot more prop- 
houses being built, um, squeezed into property. So there's a lot of thermal mass. So by that, I mean things that are going to hold the heat. And that also affects our gardens as well because our the, heat, the uh, temperature that we're experiencing um, changes. And so uh, evaporation from soil, um, our plants get stressed, don't they? I don't know if, if any of your listeners have found that with their, with their plants in the garden. They're not quite coping oh, yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah. So design point of view, we look, at, we look at the sun. How does it move through the property in winter versus summer and every other time of the year? And those hot spots, where are the hot spots in the garden? What can we do to kind of um, keep our garden cooler and able to cope with less water as well? So the other big one, and we, the bonus with Perth is we don't, um, we're not short of sun. So for growing our gardens, I mean, that's really great. We have a lot of sun. The problem is we have a lot of sun and we have a lot of heat. So being aware of that. Um, wind is another issue we have here in Perth especially. And wind um, can really wreak havoc with regards to the amount of moisture that's, a, that's yeah. in your garden because it's taken away. So yeah. designing shelter or wind breaks or shelter belts, sometimes we call them on larger properties. So looking at what we can do with our garden um, to protect our plants, protect those fragile plants. And the wind changes in Perth uh, from the morning to the afternoon. And depending where you live in Perth, it's very, very different. So a lot of the time when we're teaching people um, about wind patterns, it's being aware that for me, where I live up near Lake Leshenoltia, the wind is very different up here compared to where you are, Faye, yes. compared to somebody who might be on the coast down at Swanbourne or City Beach, somewhere like that as well. It's quite different. Um, and then shade. Shade is a another big one. So I'm looking at ways... I guess to start with, how we can design the garden to be working optimally to hold water, protect the plants, keep the soil moisture there. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that is what a lot of people wouldn't be thinking about because they'd be thinking about the soil, the ground level. But it's it's more than that. How can we build the microclimate mm. to reduce work with our the drying factors? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I've written down a few points and just kind of nutting it down like a, a, a thought process, I guess you could say. If you're looking at an established garden, um, perhaps modifications you could make within that. Um, and it's not saying, you know, go in and get the bulldozers and mm. take it all back down to the ground. There's so many things you can do within a garden, just small changes. So slow and small solutions. We have a a principle in permaculture. It's it's not going in and making massive changes because then you're affecting the microclimate. There's a roll-on effect. Um, so just, just making small tweaks. But also these are good steps for people who are perhaps got a blank canvas and they want to want to start from the beginning. Um, shade is, is a really big one. And so, um, again, we look at layers and nine layers of a forest or nine layers of a fruit for food forest if you're looking at an edible garden. And that's from the upper canopy, middle canopy, shrub, all the way down to your herbaceous layer, your ground covers, your um, your mycelial layer underground, your, your wet areas. So creepers going up things, ground covers going along, your big thick tubers, um, plants with big thick roots that go down, all of those layers 
combined will help stabilise soil, increase uh, water infiltration into your soil, but also increase the capacity for the soil to hold the water. Um, and I'm going to get to soil in a minute, Faye, because it's one of my favourite topics for well, anyone who knows me. Fiona, nine layers. So you reckon more plants can actually hold more moisture? Yeah, well, I think if you look at nature, and this is where I go to, if you look at nature, you go out to the bush or go into any, uh, if you've ever been up to North Queensland or any gardens where there's lots of layers, it's Mm. a lot cooler within there. There's a lot more leaf litter on the ground as well. Mm. Things are breaking down. There's more organic matter going into the soil. The soil's able to hold um, moisture. And when I'm talking about soil, um, I'm talking about the mineral particles and the organic matter as well. So those, those, all of those things, plus the air spaces, the pore spaces that are in there and the water that's being held in there. So it's the whole... The whole ecosystem. Lot. Yeah, that's right. And there's a huge ecosystem under our feet. And um, you, you, we have to think uh, as gardeners, everything is connected. Mm-hmm. So what we do above ground, how does that affect below ground and vice versa as well? Um, so yeah, nine layers, and that could be for me uh, here. It could be the big Mary trees or the Jarrah trees, all the way down to the under undergrowth. But in a in a urban backyard, it could be you know people have semi dwarf trees, and then you've got shrubs underneath it. You've got maybe a living green mulch underneath that. Um, some some flowering plants, annuals or p- perennials. We try to go a lot for perennials, so so plants that. Don't you know? Don't don't cark it at the end of the season, and then we replant them again. Yeah. Um, trying to bring in those perennial systems, um, so there's not these big changes happening. Um, and this is all going to water. We are. I am still trying <laughs> to focus on the, on the water thing. Um, the next one is species. A lot of the time, I think we are can be guilty of going to a nursery uh, or seeing a fantastic plant when we're you know walking or driving or on a television show and we think oh my gosh I want that plant that's so beautiful it's just fantastic I'm not sure where I'm going to put it yet I do that all the time oh Fiona (laughs) can we talk about something else (laughs) (laughs) no it's a therapy session now you know we'll talk through this Mm. (laughs) oh I'm very much guilty of it and my partner will be like please don't buy anything unless you know where you're putting it yeah Um, I'm, I'm I'm still guilty of that but um if we can if we can you know hold on to our eagerness when we see these beautiful plants just stop and have a think uh, about the plant what soil does it like um, how much water does it need and that's the that's the real kicker isn't it how yes. much water is this plant going to need um and uh what how, how much benefit will it be bringing me in the garden so how much bang for my buck am I going to get out of this mm. plant? But water, of course, huge thing. How much water is this plant going to need? If, if we're looking at a, um, what do I say, a standard, standard fruit tree, I'm just going to be generalising here. In summer, I calculate for my, my fruit trees per week are going to need anywhere from 150 to up to 300 litres of water each per week. 
So for my design here in, in Chidlow, where I am, I'm very picky about the species I'm, pick, I'm choosing to put mm-hmm. in here. They have to do something. They have to be working with other plants. They have to um, be able to cope with the climate as it changes. And we are, our climate is changing. I've noticed that as uh, when I was in landscape gardening. Climate's definitely changed um, as well. So what, what species can I choose that don't use as much water as well? What, what soil do I have now that I can choose plants that will suit that soil too? So I'm not planting a tropical plant, for example, in sandy, mm. uh, bassendine sand and expecting it to thrive and then putting more water on it. And sometimes I think we can get caught in that trap of looking at a plant that's sick and thinking it needs more water, but... Maybe it's just not right, the right plant. So that's another one. Mm. Oh, we really and have to talk to ourselves, don't and we? And we have to think it through. Rain ourselves think back in. Through. And we've been mm. start, we have been starting to do this for a while. So we've, we've made choices, Fiona. Our gardens are established. What can we retrofit going forward in summer to, be, to do our best? To get the best results from it. Mm. Yeah, so uh, the soil. Start with the soil and you can gradually um, fix the soil bit by bit. If you have a very sandy soil and you're watering it, I'm going to get to irrigation in a minute too, by the way. Um, You're watering your your, your plant and um, you notice that the, the soil is not holding on to the water at all. So the water's just going through. Adding um, organic matter, compost, that's a great start. Um, but if look at clay and another product called biochar as well. Yes, so, yes, yes. Yeah, so if we're looking at soil, sand, silt, clay, you know, they're the three, they're the three mineral particles we're looking at. And we're all trying to achieve for most of our exotic gardens um, or edible gardens, we're trying to achieve something called loam which is the percentage of sand, silk, clay that we have in our, in our, in our ground. And that's a really good, um, uh, something to aim for, to know that you're keeping the water at the roots for as long as possible. So that's the aim, is that when you're watering the garden, you're standing there with your hose, um, it's not just all running through, Faye. Yep. And yep. Ray, sorry. That's all right. I'm um, here. I'm listening, Fiona. Yeah. And hand watering as well. You know, if you're, if you're standing there and hand watering, I really urge the listeners to grab a bucket, put the hose on and time. How long does it take to fill up that nine litre bucket? And then uh, work out if you're yeah. out walking around with your hose and it's really lovely, you might have a cup of tea or a nice cold beer or a glass of glass of wine in the evening. It's really quite, quite cathartic to do yeah, that. But for is. every second that you're standing there... Mm how much water is coming out of that. And do you actually need to water those plants? Do those native plants will take hope? Um, and also going back to the soil as well is being able to gradually add uh, some black clay and biochar, um, activated carbon sometimes it's called as well. And that will help hold the water around those those roots. So it's just putting it onto the surface, scratching it in. Um, by that I mean, you know, with a, a hand fork or a, yeah. a hoe um, and just gradually building up those levels of, of mineral particles and the biochar that will hold the water there. So 
every litre you're putting on, it's you're keeping it there for as long as possible. Good, good. Yep, I think I think we're on the right track. Um, and then, of course, mulches. Another yeah, mulches. I'm, I'm a real big fan of uh, living mulches, so green mulches we call mm. them. And a lot of gardeners will be using this anyway as well. Um, I'm for anything that means I have less work to do in the long term. So if I can plant a ground cover that is going to eventually cover an area, I don't need to get in there with a the, you know, trailer, sorry, wheelbarrowfuls of mulch. Yeah, yeah. Um, brilliant, fantastic. And there are a lot of um, low water endemic WA species that we can plant. So not only are we bringing back in those um, true native plants to our area, but we're um, holding the soil, covering the soil, low water. They might have a water corp, little one one drop of water on the, if people have ever been onto the water corp website, they've got lists of water-wise plants and you can see how much water they need as well. Um, so... Hopefully people are doing that as well. Yeah, no, that's very helpful. Non-living mulches. Um, I'm all for um, if you're standing at your garden pruning it, just let the clippings drop back down to the ground. That's what nature does. Drops from the top, goes down onto the ground. It decomposes and breaks down, covers the soil naturally for you. Like I said, I'm a pretty lazy gardener. I really am. Chop and drop, yeah. Chop and drop all mm-hmm. the way, mm-hmm. absolutely. And for those who are vegetable, you know, into the veggie growing and uh, fruit trees and things like that, if they've got those through, um, building up that perennial system where you have continuously, as I was saying before, those those layers, your your garden is chop and dropping. Your garden is is becomes to a degree a self mulching garden. Um, and I'm up in a very bushfire-prone area, and I do understand for some um, listeners as well, reducing fuel load is an issue too. So, you know, so it's trying to find that sweet spot mm, between sure. holding soil moisture, which is, I think, what we're talking about really with mulch, yeah. and reducing evaporation. So, um, Fiona, such a massive subject. You wow. have given us a, a lot more ideas, <laughs> a lot about. more to think about. Definitely, it's a whole package. It's not just about the soil it's about the canopy and sun and and wind um trees in the right species and and irrigation as well really look at your irrigation Mm. are you getting is it blowing away in the wind is it even Mm. going onto the soil and grey water that was the last thing i wanted to do we we might come back to this if you've got time on another day fiona because it is such a big topic a big Topic. topic A big Saturday morning, say. I've only had one <laughs> coffee. I'm struggling to talk. <laughs> well, we'll let you go back to your garden, Fiona, and I'll Thank be you. in contact and, and we'll make a date for another time. It was great Wonderful. listening to you. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Faye. Good have on you. Day. Appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Fiona. Bye. See ya. Bye. And Liz, I know you're still there. Bear with us. We're, you are next. Curtain this is Let's Talk Gardening. We're in Padbury. Liz, thank you so much for waiting. That's okay. Gave me time to have a shower. Oh, um, I bet. <laughs> yeah, time was not wasted. <laughs> um, not a problem. I've got some frangipanis that are about anywhere between six to ten foot tall. How low can I prune them? Because they're getting up into the some of the wires. I've got uh, to keep them okay. Up. 
I presume they're branching lower down? No, they're not. Oh, so um, how far has it got before it branches? Oh, probably, I would say probably six, five foot, five foot. Okay, so that around that area is where I would prune back to. Oh, okay. Okay, and would now be right as we're going into warmer weather? Uh, yes, but I'd give it a little bit more time. Wait for this lot of rain to go. Uh, yep. I, I tend to think October's probably a better time. A better, okay. A better time. No and, and if what you're, you've left behind isn't looking too good, take the cuttings yeah. and you might have to replace the plant. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I will do that. But, yeah, I'm hoping I can save one. Mm. But yeah, yeah. No, yeah. not a problem. That works well. So, no, that's good. Thank you. All right. Good have, luck with have that. Have a good day, Liz. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Uh, the temperature around the pl- the temperatures are, are good, but we've still got the cold nights and mm. we've still got the rain. Mm. So, mm. you know, I'm not seeing frangipani's powering away with new shoots at the moment. No, they're not. There's still a bit of warm weather ahead of mm. us. That's mm. what I'd be waiting for. Waiting for that to come. Mm. Now, do we have any emails that we need to? We do. Julie has sent us in an email just now of a camellia that is obviously struggling the leaves are half green and half brown and unfortunately Mm. you know the signs of too much water or not enough water can be quite the same i suspect that it it might be not getting enough water and it just looks like it's lacking vigor to me what I would be doing is checking the root zone. I can see a retic pipe running through. I wonder how the water is delivered, whether there's a sprayer and it's spread all around or if it's just dripping into one spot. So with sandy soil, if it's dripping into one spot, it's basically going to, to go down, not be spread around. I would have a dig around. If it's very sandy, you could add compost, clay, a wetting agent, a seaweed, uh, something that's going to improve it, and and even cow manure with a layer of mulch over the top. But check your water and make sure it's getting an even water. Also, after it's flowered, if it is flowering just now, then I would give it a, a cut back and encourage new growth. And this is for everyone who's got camellias. Now, after they finish flowering, mm. is the time to cut them back. So cut back to a growth point, remove anything in the middle that's dead, dying, diseased. There's a lot of sticky growth across the middle of this one. So just open it up a little bit, cut it back to a growth point, give it any of those things that I just said, or all in moderation, and you'll find that this comes back with some some beautiful new growth. It's still alive. Mm. It just needs a bit of rejuvenation. Haven't the azaleas been spectacular too this oh, year? And they're flowering now. Around yeah. Bull Creek, there's just a couple of beautiful. The, the height of a fence. Just yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, and the flowering has just been, the, the everything has been just right, hasn't it? Yeah. We've been. had sun, we've had yeah. rain. Yeah, the, all the ingredients oh, are there to deliver. What a lot of people will start to notice from now on is that some of their leaves are looking very spotty mm. and this could be the result of hail. And do you remember, Ray, last year we got a, a photo sent in of black spots on Australitzia 
and I felt at the time that it was because the the soil had got too wet. Actually, now I'm thinking that that is the result of hail because two weeks ago I looked at mine and the blooms were looking really good and now I've got black spots and I think it's bruised hail from the damage. hail. Mm. Hail can do a lot of damage. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's head to... Not sure where we're actually going, but we're saying hello to Richard. Yeah, g'day. Morning, Richard. Yeah, good morning. Lovely day, isn't it? It sure is. It's a beautiful day. Yeah. Listen, I was helping a lady uh, get a Japanese maple, and there were several to select from, and they had little brown smudges under the leaf. Now, she thought they were aphids, and I'm pretty certain they're not aphids at all. Mm. But when we asked uh, the person concerned, she said, oh, they're mites. They're good mites, and they eat the aphids. And I thought, well... That's a new one to me. That's a new one to me, Richard, and I love my bugs, but I've, I'm have i yet to yeah. meet a mite that eats aphids that live under leaves. Mm-hmm. Well, they're definitely not aphids, mm. and they're almost the scaly things. So I imagine a mite going to eat an aphid. It's going to get up and jump on it, you know, but, mm. yeah. Oh. Anyway. Did you get you a photo? Burn. Oh, no, no, history has gone now, but um, I, I should have done that, yes. But uh, you clarified my thoughts is, yeah, uh, my eating an aphid. Mm. It's not impossible, but, yeah, highly unlikely. No, I, that, I dare I say, if I was told that, I would think the person didn't know what they were talking about. Uh, and I would go one step further, take a photo or take a sample just out of curiosity, you know, the azaleas certainly have lace bugs and they're very cute looking if you looked at them under a microscope with this lace pattern in their wings. They're quite beautifully crafted by nature. Uh, yeah. Mites, red spider mites, um, you know, there's endless things that it could be and when we talk to Dr Daryl Hardy when he comes in you know we're even getting new exotic species that we haven't come across before so I don't think we can take anything for granted when we find bugs in the garden you never know when you might be turning up a new pest yeah definitely in that regard yes but I mean this is more like a scale or something stuck to the leaf it's not about to Mm. climb on something else you know what's the health of a maple tree like overall Richard they're quite, you know, they're in pots about three foot high, so they're in a nursery, of course, but, you know, they're ready for sale. Oh. And, um, yeah, I was just a little bit disappointed. And when my friend said, no, they're over, you know, blah, 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 the person just walked off. And I thought, well, that's attitude. <laughs> mm. All right. Okay. A photo next time, Richard, that would be great. Well, if I can, I'll get a photo and uh, yeah. uh, push the boundaries of technology and see if I can send it. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Cheers right. for that. All right. Now, we do have to go to a break. Lynn will be with you just after this. And it's five minutes to nine. We will be going to the news at 9 a.m. We're in Bentley. Lynn, thanks for waiting. Oh, good morning, Kay and Ray. It was really just a ring up to say thank you. 
I enjoyed um, Ray's little introduction. I think it was lovely, you know, just saying, you know, learning about what's happening in everyone's garden. And Ray, I was, and Faye, I was really interested in the outline of everything to do with gardening. You know, it's not just planting a plant. No. You know, I just thought it was incredible, you know, all the things that we have to do, you know, the wiping <laughs> down and stuff. And, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and it becomes you know, it's just, more relevant. It's like a full full time job, and it is. When and then when Fiona spoke, I thought, wow, you know, and I just absolutely love vintage type um, camellias. You know, those beautiful ones that you know that just absolutely gorgeous. And you know, you go to the nursery and you see them, and you think, oh, well, I can just plant that there. Mm. And, and, you know, there's so much to consider and yeah. I just got so much out of what Fiona had to say. You know, we mm. need to look. And, and I think the planning of the soil is so incredible. You know, you think, well, you just... I mean, I used to think until um, Curtin came on and you two came, I used to think, oh, we just put it in the ground and, mm. you know. But there's so much more to it and I've learnt so much. Like, I've just done all my clay from that man that spoke, I just put all that down. I put all my mulch down and, you know, it's really, um, it's been a very very educational um, um, wake up for me to learn about my garden. And I just want to thank you, you know, it's just so much to learn. Lynn, when will you open it? (laughs) Oh, no. Well, look, you do a little bit, Faye, and then you see the weeds Mm. and then... I know. Right. It's daunting, We're all isn't in it? the same boat. And you know yeah. what? We're living in chaos. Can't have anyone over syndrome because <laughs> yeah. there's this to be done and I that like to be that. done. I yeah. am like that. Yeah. You, you have, there's pressure. I know. And they say, oh, we come to see you, not the garden. Liars. Yeah, like, Liars. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just playing, Lynn. We appreciate your call very much. Thank you. And I hope, I hope that's uh, a lot of people feel that way too. Eye-opening, um, mind-opening. It's, it's lovely, the garden. It's so refreshing and it's so relaxing. And it gives so much back, really, doesn't it? You know, you, mm-hmm. uh, um, I probably shouldn't say this, but, you know, they, I say this to people. They go on about climate change, but the plants know what to do, say, don't they? Ah, uh, that's they what I reckon. Mm. You look mm. around and, you, you know, you look at nature and how amazing it is. Nobody tells them, you know, when to put a mango on a tree or... No, yet. It's, it's, it, we need to follow uh, Mother Nature's lead. Yes, it's a big topic, but, um, sure is. you know, we're just so blessed to have such a beautiful garden. And thank you so much for the show. It's wonderful. Learned so much every week. Thanks for your call, Lynn. Lovely to hear from you. you. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Okay, and we have our special guest, Dr. Daryl Hardy. How are you? We haven't seen you for a while. Yeah, it's been a while, isn't it? Fame sure Ray? has. Yeah, thanks for having that, us on. And thanks, thanks for trekking um, in. Yeah, it's always a tremendous. I'm, I'm, I'm going to plug the word tremendous today. Tremendous. Oh, it's always a That's tremendous your... pleasure. Tremendous. <laughs> yeah. Ah, I know why that is. <laughs> yes, I bet you do. Right. I mean, the topic of d- today's discussion, other than tremendous ripsalis oh yes and well we'll just get quickly on the ripsalis i had i found green lupus chewing my ripsalis the new shoots last night so be careful that and they blend in perfectly with so you the, can't see them no did you i i had birds coming through mm. looking for food to feed their babies oh, that's what they're and after. i've also found 
a couple of unusual bird dropping spiders on my oh. ripsalis hanging out. Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. I've actually had the fairy black caterpillar hanging off some of my ripsalis, yeah. and I thought, really? Yeah, I wouldn't have thought. But there you go. Yeah, the woolly bears, as yep. we call them, they're, mm. they're they're usually gone by now. But it shows you they're how, still around. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I picked one off a yep. uh, staghorn last night. Yep. So they're out and about, and they've been giving the herbs a real and the hammering and the leafy greens a real hammering, hammering. all winter. Absolutely. And, and of course now. They're big caterpillars. Yeah, fatties. Um, and in the last couple of instars, they eat about 90% of what they consume over their lifetime. So <laughs> just before they pupate, they're going to devour the garden. So <laughs> be on the lookout. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're not going to devour the garden. They're important in the ecosystem, oh, yeah. Daryl. Yeah, I've seen them devour <clears throat> on big leaves a whole leaf off yeah. a plant. They yeah. really do a good job. Yeah, they do. Um, but they're a, they're a native and the... And the, and the um, the moth is fantastic. It's a tiger mm. moth. Mm. So they're usually, they have like tiger markings on the upper wings. So it yeah. can be spots or stripes, um, dark stripes and white background. And But w under the wings and the fore wings is a bright orange, brilliant looking um, Night moth, moth is it? Um, yes, I think, well, moths are generally a night. At night yeah, time. Well, night I better time, see yeah. a few after yeah, yeah. looking after these yeah. little critters in yeah. my backyard. They better visit me as butterflies. Yeah, well, if they're, if they're big caterpillars <laughs> they now. better come. If they're big caterpillars, they've had a fill, so mm. get the old jar out, punch a couple of holes, pop them in, and then let them pupate on a stick or something. And then, and then capture you get the... my own moth. Yeah, and turn right. on your outdoor lights at night and sit out there. All the bugs will come. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Of yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, yeah. tremendous. Shall we go back there? I've got I've to go to the, the news. news. Oh, good. Okay. Let's go to the news. Okay, it's nine o'clock. It's jumped up to 13.7 degrees, heading for a maximum today of 20. There's 60% chance of a shower or two, and tomorrow it will be 20 as well, and there is a 50% chance of a shower or two, and then come Monday the maximum is 70, 17, and chance of rain is sitting at 90%. We could get up to 4 to 8 mils. Okay, and our current rainfall I mentioned earlier, we're sitting at 61 mils compared to last year at 62.2 mils. So I think we're well and truly on track with our rain. Have you enjoyed our winter, Daryl, this year? I, I like the seasonality of our uh, yeah. of where we live, but I think the winter sort of dragged on a little bit too a, a much. A lot of people are feeling that yeah. way. And it's been quite, uh, like even this week, a bit brewer out yeah. there. The wind is cold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, and I think spring is... Having a crack, it's having a try, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and it's popping its as, head out every now and yeah, then. But those fronts just knock it back every yeah. time. But I think the fronts will slip further south shortly, and mm. uh, yeah, and then we'll be complaining. Oh, it got hot it's real quick. Too hot. Yeah, yeah. I oh, know the exactly. Suffering. Exactly. And if you remember last year, we had a protracted winter as well, mm -hmm. and we did. Then we got a hot summer. We so. had a doozy. Yeah. yeah. So be careful what you wish for. Oh, I don't wish for the our forty degrees ever. Mm. Mm. I don't need it to get over thirty, as our listeners already know. Yeah. yeah, So, but it definitely has been a cold winter. A lot yep. of people complaining and saying, I don't normally feel the cold, but this year. Yeah, it's interesting mm. because when you say cold, but the gardens are going off. They are. So I think we're having cold nights, but it's bouncing up and we're getting those 17, 18, 19 Which degree is great. days. And that's helping things really Well, I along. think the amount of rain has brought the cloud cover in. So that's keeping temperatures up. Because yes. we, we haven't hit the lows like no. we have other years. Mm. Yeah, it's it's anyway, it's and it's, our day lengths of uh, are assisting as well. Yeah, they're uh, so it's it's yeah. I mean, people talk about cl climate change. Well, the climate's mm. always changing. Mm. Um, whether we're changing it um, or it's a natural cycle, uh, yeah. um, there's there's both things going on. 
Um, so, yeah, you just got to adapt. And as your previous um, guest said, you know, with the permaculture, yeah, you've got to learn to adapt. And um, that's what we, that's what we, that's as human species, that's why we're here, because we have adapted over millennia. So, Daryl, what's your watering situation where you are? How do you manage? How do I manage? I've actually just um, uh, redone my uh, um, watering system. Um, I used to have just um, you know, the clock timers, um, but now I've just gone to the one. I've got an app on my phone, and I've just got little solenoids around the place. I don't have a full irrigation system, um, only water where I have to. Um, and as you know, I really mulch up um, and that, and, and I don't have any weeds because it's a very shady area and mm. we're only on a small block. So mm. it's intense. And your other uh, guest this morning was talking about layers. How many layers do you reckon I've got oh, in my place? You've easily got the nine layers. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. So I might have many tuber crops in, but I've got much. So it does make a huge difference. So um, what, for listeners, I would describe Daryl's garden as a jungle, yes, very it's tropical, leafy. Yeah. Mm. It's got the canopy. Yep. So you you're in a uh, a small pocket where you've yep. got taller buildings around you. Yep. And your plants, palms, have have grown to that height. Yep. And so you're just surrounded by by a lot of green. It's yep. calm. It's cooling. It's a micro habitat. <laughs> it yep. definitely and is. And your wife has the most beautiful begonias as well. Yeah, well, that, that complements, yeah. And, yeah, they're thriving. And we talked about the ripsalis before, so that's mm. another layer. So I can have them, the, the, the idea is to have them on this big pergola or patio when yeah, I build it, and yeah. also hanging from all the palm trees. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I just want a sea of green and different colour greens. And, and yes. my ambition is every window of the house, even though it's on a very narrow block, when you look out, you just see a sea of green. green. So it's just green, green, green. I totally, think you've totally achieved green. that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of holes. Got to yeah. Clean it. yeah. <laughs> there's always something. There's always mm. something. That's right. Okay, nine four eight four one nine two seven. We'll talk about biosecurity blitz too. What's yep. what's that all so about? So this is this is the tremendous um, biosecurity blitz. So um, the department we've been running these biosecurity blitzes for probably eight or nine years now. Um, sometimes every year, sometimes every second year. Now in the last couple of years, this worldwide, there's been a real focus on trees. Um, and with our tr- changing climate, as you mentioned, a lot of trees, they can't get up and move. So they're under mm. stress and they're prone to attack from pathogens and, and insects and whatever else. But what we're also finding is there's um, more pests coming in that are attacking them. And if I did I send you that article, I think, Faye, that said one in six tree species in the North uh, American continent uh, facing extinction within the next wow. couple of in the one next in couple six. six, yeah, because they've got all these exotic or um, pests that come in. So, um, so the big focus this year is trees, and and the and one of the reasons probably you could say is we've had the polyphagous shot hole borer, yeah, um, and that's a year old now that response, and we're still coming to terms with that, and we're still uh, in a mode now. The other states look like they believe we could actually have it chance of eradicating so we're we're moving to gear up to try and eradicate it but the only tool we have at the moment is pulling out the susceptible trees so the ace and the gundo is like the multiplier species and then it'll attack other things but we're finding it attacking other species that aren't on the world list in our in our environment mm-hmm. so just recently we found castor bean the weed it's actually yeah. it's a species that it gets into so mm, and really? now the coral trees and f- oh and really f- and, i've got and, a lot of them the f- in my area yeah and the ficus trees. so 
what stage they are, whether they're a, a major... So there's these ones where they can... Reproductive species, they can actually breed it, and there's others just attack. So if you take a reproductive species out, then they can't attack these other species. That's our theory at the moment. So we're working around that. So... And, and it's over a large area and yeah so we're doing so we're, are you taking out people's trees yes we're taking out um, ace and agundos because if you don't they're going to fall down anyway so are you only taking the ones that you can find the bug in that's right yeah. at the moment that's right if we okay. did go to eradication we may have to put in a buffer at some but that's got to all be discussed but yeah the, the trees people are, are pretty emotional they've got 40 or 50 year old trees and we come in there say uh, yeah it's um and then we explain to them well it's going to fall on your house anyway within the next two years it, there's no, we have no treatments to get mm. rid of this pest um, the only way is by removing the tree, and yeah, the trees are riddled with them. So. Which tree so is that one? That's it's a maple tree, uh, Aisinagundo. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to this particular pest because mm. a lot of people may not have heard. So yeah. the polyphagus shot, shot hole borer. borer. Yes. Mm. So it's a it's a little beetle. Um, we're not sure how it got here. We're not sure how long it's been here. Um, it's really only it's uh, it's a Southeast Asian species that's uh, moved. It's been found in South Africa, Israel, and California now. And in California, their project they're funded fifty million dollars a year to try and contain it, not really? eradicate it. It's causing such havoc over there. Uh, South Africa, uh, similar sort of issues. Um, and they've got the other thing, the drying climate as well. So if they lose uh, susceptible trees, they're trying to replace them. It's, they're losing canopy. So they've got uh, things like oaks and things like that are being attacked over there. So, oh. And then in Israel, it's um, it's attacking um, uh, avocados. So they're actually um, they're actually having to prune it out. So it's adding another complexity to growing avocados over um, there. Yeah. So and, and our environment is behaving differently, and because we have a uh, we have there's lots of different borers but the polyphagus is the nasty one yeah. but ours has a different fungus so this is the other thing is it doesn't actually it only it doesn't chew the trees or all these tunnels to actually bring down the tree it chews all uh, through the tree and puts the frass there because it has this um, fusarium fungus embedded in its um, in its jaws and it seeds that so it's actually yeah. an ambrosia beetle it actually farms the fungus yeah it's the fungus that kills your tree yes okay yeah. now whether the and so, and and so it's the fungus has to be able to um, do well in that tree if it doesn't do well in that tree species the, the beetle cannot e exist because it needs the fungus to survive so if if the trees tolerant to the uh, to the fusarium nothing happens mm. okay well as far as we understand at the moment so it's a very complex situation and we're learning rapidly so that's why certain trees are more susceptible that's right yeah mm. yeah and it, and whether it's stress that's causing them to be more susceptible or less and then in some in south in california some species well we found species here that haven't been attacked in california and vice versa mm. so so that's the reason there is a big push on on tree health and canopy health, and all the all the councils now are trying to increase canopy health because um, and, and shade cover because that reduces the amount of power that's used, the less air conditioning. There's um, and that's why you see down the middle of roadways they're putting big eucalypts and all sorts of things mm. just to reduce that temperature across. So the if people have got maple trees in their garden mm -hmm. and perhaps a branch is not looking too good, or actually or, or they tend off. to go for mm. the trunk. Yeah. Um, they're looking for. Tiny holes. Yeah, like somebody size. shot your gun with a with with shotgun pellets, and the size the of size, a pinpoint. Yeah. So if you drew a dot on a piece of paper, yep. and just wriggled your pen around, that's yep. how small. Yeah, it's they the tip are. of your pen. 
basically the So t- you yeah. might hole. see multiple tiny mm. little holes yeah. Yes. Yeah. and there may be a little bit of staining yeah, down staining, the trunk. Yes, staining or there's these, um, they call these um, uh, tree noodles, which is the sap pouring out. Yeah. There's also discoloration, the bark flaking off. Anyway, go to the website. And yeah, also, and have a good look. Yeah. So anyway, read. so we've got the tremendous tree. Well, I better talk about that just quickly. Um, so this year we're focusing on trees um, with the biosecurity blitz. So to sign up, just go to agric.wa.gov.au biosecurity blitz uh, or Google it and uh, sign up for it. And then you download the My Pest Guide Reporter. I've banged on about that many times on here. Let's do it again, Daryl, because everyone yeah. might not know about it. That's the right. My, My Pest, Pest Guide, Guide Reporter, Reporter app. app is one of the easiest things to use. That's right. You just go to your Google Play Store or yep. what is it, on a iPhone? Yeah, yeah the iPhone. Yeah, it's just the, um, well, I'm not, I'm not an iPhone user, but yeah, you just go to the, uh, the, 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 the app, store. app store just on the, uh, on the iPhone and it's there and you just download it. It doesn't take long, doesn't use a lot of bandwidth. And then you just take photographs and put a few words in. Um, you know, I found this is in my backyard or this is I found down yeah. the street. And uh, mm-hmm. it's a, I think it's a such and such tree and I think it's got borers or whatever. It's got staining, whatever, and just send it off. Um, and that's running from the 24th of September to the 24th of October. So we're doing intensive. So we get hundreds of people that actually sign up to it in the past and, and send us in photos. So there will be a bit of a backlog, but we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Yeah. So is it just for trees this year? No, if you find, look, obviously if you find something else that's unusual or you haven't seen before, uh, take a picture of that. We're not just going to say, oh, it's not a tree pest. We're not going to worry about this yeah, year. Yeah, okay. Is so there can... anything new out there that we should be aware of? Um, no, or there's anything causing trouble as well. Oh, there's always little yeah. bits and pieces. We've got some leaf miners that have come in recently. Um, what uh, are they on? They're on, well, there's several species. We're, we got one species that moved down from um, the northwest into the metro area. So that's, on, um, that's the serp- Asian, um, sorry, American serpentine leaf miner. So they're on a variety of <clears throat> um, herbaceous plants. You can get them on. But if you've, you, know, you see leaf mining and you haven't seen it before, there are native leaf miners and uh, exotic ones that are already here. Um, <clears throat> there's ants that we're always looking forward to just uh, finished eradication of fire ants. The, so we're on the lookout for anything unusual. It's just too hard to say exactly. Yeah, any, yeah. There's yeah. lots of things. You never know what's coming across the border. I mean, and the, the border, you know, both state and national do a fantastic job, but they just... Yeah, they can't stop everything these days. And what about myrtle rust? Is that oh, yes, yeah. thing, seen yeah. much mm. around? So myrtle rust, um, that's the other thing. So um, polyphagus was reported by the MyPass Guide app, and so was myrtle rust. Um, myrtle rust um, is right up on the, in the East Kimberley, right near the is N- NT border, and it's in you know crocodile infest area. So they're just mapping that out where that is and working out will it spread, can they do anything about it, but very tough. Um what we want to do, if it does establish up there, is prevent it getting down here too quickly because you know it, it'll have such a possibly devastating. Well, it, yeah, a potentially devastating effect. It depends on humidity and a few other things. So mm. there's a lot of susceptible species here, but whether the environment is conducive for the fungus spreading uh, and colonising is another thing. Mm. So yeah, so yeah, in my world, there's a lot of unknown unknowns. You you just don't know. You've got. You, You've got to prepare for the worst and hope for the hope best. Hope for the best. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you know, it's not the end of the world. It's no. Just, it's just it's awareness. Just, it just complicates 
everybody's life the more and more load of these things i used to say uh, people would worry about oh it's a real biggie you know like citrus canker that's another one that was uh, we've eradicated um and so that's yeah so people look at the citrus and see scabbing on the fruit and things like that or any weird leaf formations anything like that just or browning or rust you know like symptoms just send them uh, pictures of them in but you know you just you just never know what's coming across um and could be there. Are the potato tomato salads still active? That was the question I was going yes, to ask. Yes, well, yeah. we're actually um, we're just doing the latest survey. Now, the, that's an interesting. So that's one of the mm. ones that's come in. It went everywhere, caused a huge problem. And now it seems to have died down, whether it's the environment's pushing back or there's a weather. So what when, you, when you're an exotic species and you arrive, everything just looks at you going, what are you? What are you? Then after a few years, some things go, I'll try oh, one of them. That's food. And, and that's tasty. <laughs> and then you know, the environment pushes back on them and some of them can be suppressed. And this might be the case. It might be the current climate's not suiting it as much. Um, but the big scary thing with potato psyllid is that it carries this bacteria, CLSO, uh, Liriobacter. And we we don't have that here. Uh, it usually comes with a psyllid. But we're, so we're now doing psyllid surveys to see if the bacteria is here because that's the real market access issue. The pest itself isn't the problem. It's the vector. It's a mm. vector for this bacteria. And, yeah, it's been at five, six years now. We haven't found it. So that's good. Um, and that means um, for market access and everything, that's holding in place. So, And none other, well, no, no other states have found the, the psyllids. So the inter, uh, interstate border control has been put in place on produce and that. They're working. So, um, yeah, so um, biosecurity isn't about, it's insurance policy and it's not forever. It's about slowing down things in some cases. So if somebody else in the world, like the Americans and the South Africans got polyphagus years before us, mm. so they're doing all the research, high-end research, the big money research, and we're just learning off what they've done. Yeah. And so if we can kick things out and go somewhere else, mm. then it's less impost on our economy mm. yeah. when it arrives here. So yeah. th that's what biosecurity is about, is delaying and uh, delaying, delaying well, a lot mm. of things. Because you know, realistically, it, most things will get here at some point in the future. You just don't know when. It I hate be, to think that, though. Yeah, yeah, it could be a thousand years. You oh, know. okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're lucky because we are so isolated right. by, by desert and yep. by yeah. our coastline. Yep. Mm. So we are surrounded and, and blocked off yeah, and, and we are unique and yeah, biodiverse. All my colleagues on the East Coast, they realise that we're West Australian, we're very special. And I just say, yes, we are. <laughs> we are. Yeah, yes, suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay, 94841927. Give us a call. Clinton Radio. Thank you for your company this morning. You are listening to Let's Talk Gardening. Special guest in the studio with us, Dr. Daryl Hardy, Senior Entomologist of Deep Herd and uh, appreciate having you in this morning, Daryl. We have a question for you. I'm sure you All have. Right. <laughs> Gail, good morning. Uh, good morning. Um, just for Daryl. Yes. Um, first of all, I don't have a mobile, so I don't can't have that app. So oh. if he can be on, he can be on now and again with all those things. That'll be great. That's beside the by the by. I'm going to take out a um, or get my arborists to take out uh, an itchy bush tree, and I forget the name of the darn things. Um, it's quite a big one. And I'm going to put in a eucalyptus, E-R-Y-T-H-R-O-C-O-R-Y-S, which is a red cap gum. Yep. 
Yep, native too. And I'm going to buy it from I'm going to buy it from L and B Tree Farms because I'm up in Mullaloo and uh, they grow well here anyway. And I've been here about forty years anyway. Um, I just want to check it's not um, susceptible to that thing you're talking about. Oh, the polyphagus. Um, I've been listening to it quite intensely. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I um, most appears most of the native plants, uh, including eucalypts, are not susceptible to it at the moment. That's, that's far. so. Oh, that's good. And, and the good thing is the uh, rithocoris that you're planting. I think they their range is to just north of. Um, they come down as far as just north of Geraldton, so it's pretty close to a native species, and it's quite coastal. If you drive up on that yeah, Indian is. Ocean Drive, you can see them yeah. along there. There's so. a lot around Mullaloo, um yeah. in the bush uh, in the. Um, Oh yeah, there's a lot around here, and they just grow in the uh, park things that the councillor got. As I said, yeah. I've been here 40 years, and some of them have been here about that long. Yeah, so so, so yeah, and of course the parrots love them because they've got the big seeds. Oh yeah, I know. Them. I'm a bit yeah. into all that sort of thing. And the black cockies do come and well, visit yeah. them too. Yeah. We, yeah. we don't get the black cockies yeah. in, in uh, near the coast. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. so anyway, if you don't have a mobile phone, in, no, you used to be able. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't looked I've at it well because everybody uses mobile phones. But you used to be able to lodge directly onto know, the I'm website. Weird. The other I'm th- weird. Yeah, and that's no, you're not weird. You're just um, one of those I just outliers. Like privacy, and I don't like yeah. annoying things. But you could ring if you find anything unusual. We can still ring our pest and disease information service on three six eight three zero. Eight zero, and three the zero. lovely ladies there. They'll three take zero eight zero. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Three six eight three zero nine, eight zero. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, there's a nine I in don't front. Use Sorry, a computer. Then, I'm yeah. pretty good on them. Yeah, nine three six eight three zero eight zero. Um, that's the Pest and Disease Information Service. Yeah. So you just just Google Patterson will come up, and so you can yeah. email them pictures as well. It's just oh, it's yeah, more so efficient for that. us. Um, to have everything go for the app because that's automatically data-based, um, whereas we've got to put the information manually if you ring yeah. up or email. No, I, I like to keep myself to myself quite a lot. I'm not into all that sort of stuff much. Yeah. Although I'm very, I am pretty cool on things. I understand a lot. Yeah. Okay, that's great. I was a bit worried there because, I mean, I'm going to buy it from L&B and they're not cheap. No, no. Um, no, I was thinking that, girl. Mm. Yeah. But mm. that's okay. I want yeah. one from a proper place. The established. Yeah, mm. yeah. Gail, yeah, I do. You can go to the agric.wa.gov.au website and look at my pest guide, and it the gives what, you the what the what the what site say that again. If you type in my pest guide, oh yeah, and it will bring up the agric.wa.gov.au website. Yeah, and it allows you to create a put a report. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you can do yeah, it. Yeah, I was pretty full on lots of programs on the computer before I retired. So, oh, well, yep. you've got to keep your skills up. A very funny thing about keeping to myself a lot. That's okay. Don't like hassles. Well, <laughs> buy, oh, none of us do, Gail. Buy more than one um, 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 uh, erythrocoris and put a screen around yourself so nobody can see you. <laughs> I, well, I, I, sit out, I sit out there and watch my darling little um, little birds nesting in all my grevilleas and oh. bottle brushes and. Um, uh, Albany woolly bushes and mm. all sorts of things. Lovely, beautiful. beautiful. And I think they know me, and I talk to them. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks for all your help. It's lovely to have you on it, helping us keep up with all these funny things that are going on, and we want to keep most of the what we can out of 
this wonderful Exactly. You are, yeah, we are special. <laughs> and remember, biosecurity is a shared responsibility, so everybody mm. needs to play their role. It's not just government doing everything yeah, exactly. for you. It's the community needs to be involved mm. as well and, and mostly are very engaged. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. I totally agree, especially the councils. Um, some of them are a bit not too cool on um, uh, the right things. Won't say too much. Well, you're retired now. You can lobby. Go lobby <laughs> I tried that. Um, they pruned my street tree, which is about a 35-year-old um, weeping peppermint, because we're allowed to put them in then. And they finally pruned it, and they managed to run over and break one of my risers. That was yeah, in the that happens, with, yeah. Mm. With, and it had... Um, fragile tape all around it so you could see it from a, a few kilometres away and then they left all the rubbish on the ground mm-hmm. and drove off and mm-hmm. never came back even though I rang them three times and sent an email so I cleaned it up myself mm. all right. so that's how what I think of some of the councils, thank you very much mm. okay, we won't, we won't get too political but you've had, you've had your um, soapbox, you've had your little bit about the councils, thank you Gail thank you, thank you. Bye. bye and let's head to Fremantle. We're talking about lawns. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I've got two questions about lawn. I have an established buffalo, but I had some fertiliser in a bag and the rain got into it. It's all wet. I wondered if I just diluted it in a watering can, can I sprinkle it on? Well, I'm not sure about that one, only because sometimes if you put even granular fertiliser onto a lawn that's wet, it can instantly burn it so activated it yeah i don't know it it probably depends what is in the fertilizer Mm. um it's only a small amount left in the bag oh look i wouldn't waste it i would still use it somewhere on on something where there's bare soil around a, a leafy part of your garden um, okay. If it's raining, yeah, it's a good time to sprinkle it and and, if, and irrigate and then put yeah. it on. So mm. you've, yeah, so it's you, you, huh? it, it won't know the difference if it's wet or unwet then. <laughs> Thank you. The other question is, and if it does burn, blame Daryl. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My uh, my son's selling a little unit, and so he's going to get some new lawn laid down. I've raked all over the old bed stuff and. Um, Wondered if it would be wise to sprinkle a bit of blood and bone on that before the turf is laid on Tuesday. Ooh, well, blood and bone certainly wouldn't hurt, but I would probably be doing a lot more preparation than that. I, I would certainly be be putting down some clay now before you put oh. on lawn. Oh, it's quite a sandy soil, you know, here in Frio. I know. Yeah, ex- yeah. exactly. Um, these days, preparation for lawn is a lot more specific and getting clay in the soil will help with the water holding ability through the warmer months. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Um, yep. Did you say he's selling his house, Joe? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, the tenant didn't look after the lawn. It was full of onion weed, which I've been laboriously oh. out. Mm. Um, first I sprayed with <clears throat> the wicked glyphosate, but it didn't kill it all. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've just been digging it out and wondered if, you know, yeah. no, it's a sort of thing has for, been for years. For best results, you get one chance to prepare your soil uh-huh. for the future. 
And I know yes, you're selling, yes. so you probably don't want to spend a lot of money, but mm. it's an investment in our environment and water use for the future. Sure. Okay. Mm. So uh, a bit of clay and just sort of rake it into the sand soil? Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. It, it's generally uh, recommended it's one uh, 10 kilos to one square metre which sounds a lot and it mm. can be quite expensive, but like I said, it's an investment. If I was putting in lawn now, that is exactly what I would be doing. Okay. Um, so that's the benchmark, isn't it? I would use kale and clay. Kale okay. And the other, yeah, what about the blood and bone? Do you think any fertiliser would be advisable or would that well, be the root of the new turf? Uh, it wouldn't hurt. It's blood and bone sort of slow release, but have a look at, what blood and bone is available because they've they've changed they have what's in them these mm, days and mm. it's kind of not as good as it used to be. Mm. Oh, okay, a bit of synthetic stuff there, maybe. Mm, and and it's not all just straight blood and bone, so uh-huh. there might be something better available. There's okay. a lot of soil companies out there now that mm. do deliver. Um, maybe maybe a lawn blend yeah. that's got. A good amount of clay in it. I think that would be the most economical way it, to go about it. It certainly would be. Mm. Mm. Okay. All right. Then would I get that from a, um, a, a one a of the bulk, bulk soil yards? Oh, bulk soil. Mm. Okay. Yes, it's one in North Rio. Yep. There you go. Thank you very much. Good on You're you, welcome, Jo. Joe. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, 94841927. Okay, we have a $75 gift Ooh. voucher up for grabs from... Bigger trees, compliments of Kerry up there in Pickering Brook. Now, what could you get for $75? Mm. All right, the stock is constantly changing right now, and spring is getting very, very colourful, I believe, up at Bigger Trees with a lot of new blossoms and foliage appearing, a lot of new stock arriving, spring bulbs, and a large selection of potted everlastings has just rolled in. Uh, new indoor and shade plants uh, have come in as well as a fabulous huge range of pots to choose from. So there's lots of goodies there that you could uh, certainly purchase with your $75 gift voucher. Now, to play with us, you must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. And the number, of course, is 94841927. This is a harder question, even. John is getting... He's a, he's a hard taskmaster, that boy. All right, here we go. In the musical South Pacific, the sailors sing, There is nothing like a dame, in which they lament their lack of females, saying what they have is no substitute for female company. What they do have are two fruits that they can pick right off the tree. One fruit is bananas. What is the other? It's a very complicated question. You have to have your thinking cap on. In the musical South Pacific, the sailors sing There is Nothing Like a Dame, in which they lament their lack of females, saying what they have is no substitute for female company. What they do have are two fruits that they can pick right off the tree. One fruit is bananas. What is the other? And the the verse goes, we have sunshine on the sand. We have moonshine on the sea. We have something, something, something and bananas. We can pick right off the tree. If you've got the answer and you'd like to win that voucher, give Bev a call right now on 94841927. And you can thank John for the hard question. 
I I love that movie, and I bet a lot of our listeners will Enjoyed have it. no trouble like, remembering that. Getting, getting it all. Yeah. Well, so, I, the, I tell you what, right now the lines are not reacting, so people are having to do a little bit of homework, I'm sure. Have we they... got access to that song? Can we play it today, Ray, do you think? I can have a look and see for mm. you. I shall have a look. Okay. Now we've It's got a, a happy cup, song. A happy song. We've got a lot of emails coming in. We have. As well. And there's more about lawn. It's that time of the year. Yeah. Where, you know, if you didn't do the work earlier in the season, uh, those weeds will have taken control. So the thing about lawn is it very often grows well in the warmer season. In winter, it goes off, The especially if you fed late. If you feed during winter, you can be feeding weeds. So the weeds yeah. are growing, but the lawn isn't. So what happens? The weeds go ballistic. You get your bindi, the winter grass all sorts of things going on, and they start to take over. Um, now, right now, the winter grass is coming up to flowering because we're, we're getting drier weather and sunshine. It's not the time to do anything about it. It's too late in the season. Mow it down. Yes, you will be left with brown patches in the lawn because that is where the, the weeds have been growing and the lawn hasn't. When we get the warmer weather and it's starting now, you can start to fertilise. And what you need to do is encourage your lawn to grow, to knit together, to stay healthy and keep it a little bit higher than scalping it. So sometimes if you've got a contractor coming in that gets cut too low, it opens it up for weeds. Sure, You don't need that going into winter. Mm. So, yes, for for Bob here... uh, I know it looks awful now. It's coming to the final stages. You can mow this short and that will probably be the end of the the life of the winter grass and start feeding your lawn. If you use any of the products like weed and feed, what you'll you might think it doesn't work and it kills your lawn. Actual actually, in actual fact, you might find you didn't actually have a lot of healthy lawn there. And so that just becomes obvious at this time of year. So you can think about aerating your lawn. You can think about top dressing it. uh, You can fertilise it. You certainly want to get your wetting agents on. You might add uh, a clay product to help keep that moisture in the lawn. Mm. And don't water it too much because lawn, particularly cooch, has got long roots and you want to encourage it. You let it dry out and it's going to put its roots down deeper Further. and that's what you need for summer if mm. you all you do is encourage shallow roots because you're watering it every day the lawn's dependent on you it mm. yeah it can't mm. cope mm. i've got a section of lawn growing that is where we used to have a bonfire the soil is black it's hard it's leveled every time i mow down the weeds you know there might have been a few uh cuttings or little runners from mowing one of my lawn areas And the cooch is growing. It doesn't get any additional water. Mm. It gets winter rains. Honestly, Ray, it's the easiest lawn I've ever looked after. Mm. Gets nothing Mm. because its roots are down deep. You can't kill it. No. It's beautiful. (laughs) It has an excellent survival mechanism. (laughs) We do have a winner, Ellen of Forestfield. Thank you for playing with us. Okay. And, of course, the question was, let me see, in the musical South Pacific, the sailors sing, there is nothing like a dame. They are lamenting about the lack of female company, but it's no substitute. However, they do have 
fruit tree and they are able to pick bananas and the other answer was mangoes. Okay, Mm. mangoes and bananas. We have mangoes and bananas we can pick right off the tree instead of Lady Company, apparently. I'll have a look (laughs) and see if the song is is available. So thanks for playing with us, everybody. All right. Uh, And another one, it's also about weeds. And this is about a kaikuyu lawn. It looks like it's got chickweed growing in it. And honestly, the chickweed is going nuts at the it moment. Is, it is. I pulled out a bundle of it yesterday, mm. you know, 30 centimetres plus across. Yeah. So, um, yeah, once again, look, don't worry about it too much at this time of year. It looks worse because it's about to go to seed. It's probably got flowers on it now. Mow it and encourage new growth as as the warmer weather comes. Okay. That's my take on it. All right, we shall return. Radio. You are tuned to Let's Talk Company with Ray and Faye and our special guest in the studio with us this morning, Dr. Daryl Hardy, Senior Entomologist of DPIRD. Okay, now you've got some new emails that came in. Uh, yes, Linda, who had her open garden in Marginia, is... Oh, it's cat. Oh, no, no. Carry on, carry on. Has sent us in a beautiful photo of a banksia. Uh, looks like the coccinia. Beautiful red scarlet banksia. Isn't that Just stunning? Just gorgeous. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, there's so many. So, so is many that in the garden? Or yeah, that... they've, they've planted it. So, a friend of mine was down south and they're flowering a couple mm. of weeks ago and she was taking photographs and there was a little. Um, the, the, the little pygmy possum, pygmy possum. Oh. and she got a couple of photos but she, what she didn't realize is they're just so fast Quick. So as soon as yeah. it worked out they were onto it yeah it just disappeared just went yeah 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 honey possum isn't it uh, might be yeah honey they're, and, and they're very small very like the size tiny. of a yes. mouse and, and i just wanted to mention too uh we've been talking in the last few weeks about the mills family open garden uh, that was happening this weekend in Beldivis. That has been cancelled, listeners. So mm. that was the Mills Family Open Garden in Beldivis. Uh, it has been cancelled this weekend. So you need to know in case you were planning on tracking down. We are in Perth, actually. Helen, good morning. Good morning, Faye. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Helen. Good. Look, I've um, got some questions about wedding agents. I heard on a very popular podcast some time ago, we had an expert on, who was talking about the large number of wedding agents that are available through retail that are actually quite useless. And there'd been some tests done with UWA, and they'd, and I think it was through the Turf Society, Voice in Australia, don't quote me on that one, and um, there was some outcomes regarding which brands were actually far better because they had a high concentration of silicon. So when I ventured to the big green shed last week, I had a look on all the products and none of them had actually got their ingredients listed. Oh. For probably quite obvious reasons. Are you, are you aware of that study from UWA? Because I looked on the net and I couldn't find it. Mm, I have heard about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I'm, to be honest, I'm not a lover of wedding agents. I would much prefer to to improve the soil using a clay, um, which I've done over years. And, you know, it doesn't look like it's still in the soil, but that's partly because of roots. And so I think you've just got to keep on, on top of 
of the garden and look at what's in it. You know, if you add manures to the garden, the worms will work through it and they will create castings that help improve the soil and, and make it a more loamy, moisture-attentive soil. The, the liquids certainly tend to work better, but I also believe you've got to go back and scratch them. Uh, you've got to keep activating it until it foams up. And, yeah, monitor, like, how well it does work. Dale, do you – you wouldn't even be able to use wedding agent on your garden. Well, I don't use wedding <laughs> agent on the garden because, you know, I've got clay and, and that incorporated. But the lawns, I do. Now, <clears throat> some years ago – actually, a lot of the work on wettest was done by the, my department, the Department of Agriculture, um, for farming. And originally, um, if I remember correctly, they were detergent-based. Now, yeah. And they used to last for – six nine months and um, but the new wetters you get these days i think they're glycol based so and i've yeah my my experimenting at home and it's not rigorous experimenting but i would say yeah they're only lasting they do work but only for a short period I'm, i would say four to six weeks and then that they've lost it so you've got to keep repeating that's the problem with these glycol based ones as you have I ha am having a memory too. The hardware stores sometimes don't have the best brands. No. But if you go to a specialist supplier, perhaps through the Irrigation Association Australia or some of the... Or the Turf Growers the Association. Turf Growers Association. Mm. There are some products there that that are getting good yeah. recommendations. And there may be detergent-based mm. ones still, I'm not sure. But they, they certainly used to be good, but they were expensive. Yeah, I've heard that um, some of the surfactant ones last for like two weeks. So it's just like a complete waste of money. So I was kind of thinking it's, we've got to move on from this surely. But I'm really glad to hear, Faye, that you, you don't use it at all because I prefer not to myself. So thanks, thanks for your help this well, morning. Yeah, I, you know, I haven't been a fan over over the years, but I do try things, Helen, and I do monitor my results. So um, I know... Biagra, Biagra and, and Aquaforce are yeah. two that mm. I'm going to give a crack at this coming season. Mm. I'm just about ready to revamp my front lawn um, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm going to use. I'm going to upskill. I'm, I'm doing everything I can to reduce my water mm. and make it work better. And I haven't turned on my sprinklers yet no. to water other than to do a sprinkler check when I've mm -hmm. worked on my garden beds. So I'm I'm counting the days where I'm actually using my sprinklers. Brilliant. Sounds, sounds good. And I'm looking forward to a bit of sunshine too. I'm yeah, aren't we all? all. <laughs> Thanks for your help. See you. Thanks, Helen. Bye. Cheers for that. All right. There, I'd said it again, didn't I? Cheers for that. I'm trying not to say it. Mm. It just comes out. All right, Faye, could you please repeat the lawn you recommended that you cannot kill? Oh, cooch. But I, I wouldn't recommend that everyone plant it. You know, mm. we've just got this hangover from the 80s. Mm. And, you know, the area that I've got is between our house and our bush. Mm. And for the last 20 years, we've piled up dead woods and, and prunings from the garden and burnt it on an annual basis. Mm. And then because we're having a wedding, uh, we wanted an area where... We could use the bushes, the backdrop, and the cooch is growing naturally. So I just keep mowing it, and it just keeps growing. I add no water. The soil is black. It's hard like clay. And 
the, the cooch is going nuts and mm. it's green as. So mm. it's got 10 weeks to cover. It's thriving <laughs> in neglect. It is. And, you know, compared to that stupid front lawn that I planted, you I have, watered, yeah, you nurture. I feed, mm. I mow. Mm. You know, that just is the bane of my life. It gets weeds in it. This, I, I don't care about it. I just mow it and it just grows. It's indestructible. Mm. It's All a right. bushfire break too. Okay, we've got about 10 minutes to take your calls on 94841927. Getting Radio. You're with Let's Talk Gardening and the gardening show today is sponsored by DeSacco Mulch. Make your garden grow with DeSacco Mulch, available at all leading garden centres. We're in South Yunderup. Maureen, good morning. Good Hi, morning. Maureen. Hello, you girls. You do a lovely job there. Um, just wondering about uh, should I uh, put uh, gladioli bulbs in a crisper before I plant them for a few days? No need to, Maureen. They're not. No, they're not one of the bulbs that need a chill. Okay, and also while I've got hold of you, carnations that split. What's the matter? That split. What? What's? You know the, the where the flower comes out of that corn thing, that bulb. You know, at the where the flower starts, it's split right. there. Hmm. Yeah, I can't think of the name of it. It's a funny name. That yeah. Okay. The, the flower just. The, the, not the flower, the um, the thing that holds the flower just splits and it looks terrible. Right. Is Okay. That, that's taking me back to my plant botany days and I can't remember either. Um, uh, I All I could suggest really, Maureen, is that using a fertiliser that's got a range of trace elements because it could be a simple trace element deficiency Certainly mm-hmm. carnations like an alkaline soil, which I suspect yeah. South Yunderup would be. Um, yeah. Maybe give it um, a seaweed concentrate. I know the Seasol brand has a lot of trace elements in them, so that yeah. that would be a help. I would yeah. use a slow-release fertiliser because they're easy to use and at least you know that they've got some sort of feeding. And then yeah. try... Um, a, a liquid flower booster, something like Power Feed or Aqua Soul or Miracle Grow or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, it just splits all the time and it just spoils the flower, you know. Mm. All right, we might have to look that up mm. and see if we can find anything else, see if it's um, noted anywhere. Mm. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, that beautiful flower and then this, this splits and it's the flower petals fall out, you know, sort of hang out through it. Mm. Might also be the variety. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a lovely smelling red carnation. I don't even know the name of it. Okay. All right. Beautiful. I'll see what else I can find out for you, Maureen. Okay. Thank you for that. Okay. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much for the show. You're welcome. Thanks. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Okay. Now, just to do a bit of a wrap-up. Yes, what's that one in front of us? So um, we have Dawn from Woodlands and she's got a bird's nest fern that looks like it's been hit with a big stick a few times and it's all chopped up. And yes, I can see that from here. Yeah, Dawn, it's not a frog. Big um, chomps take Yeah, chomps. So there's several possibilities, uh, caterpillars, uh, weevils or the large native grasshopper called Valanga, which has been visiting us for the last decade. So mm. leave the frogs alone. They're, they're not vegetarians. They like eating insects. And the other thing is from Nissa, 
Um, and she sent in an, oh, it's a bit overexposed. Looks like um, she's got an earthworm that's come in the house and it's on her carpet and it's died there. So <clears throat> with some of the rain events, I think the earthworms have found a little bit waterlogging in the soil and may have come in. The other thing I thought it might be is one of these killer flatworms. But the, killer flatworms. Yeah, well, that's what they are. They actually, they flatworms, which are quite, they're platyhelmethes. They're very primitive. And why do you call them killer? Because they hunt other other things. Like? Anything. Uh, they'll not, be in rotting logs, they, they, <laughs> rotting logs. Not people, no, but the, any other invertebrate. Um, okay. Yeah, they'll take out They'll take out higher order, like insects. Oh, they're, really? they're way down the pecking order, but they'll take out insects and things like that. So they're black with a blue stripe usually in the back and a big anvil-type head. But So I'm thinking earthworm, mm -hmm. and it's just trying to get our way from a soggy situation. We can relate. <laughs> Alan has sent us in some photos, and I thought that we'd acknowledge this email on another show, Alan, so I apologise. He sent photos of a backyard that's quite barren, and he has absolutely transformed it into a thriving garden that he shares with other residents in the vicinity. There's chilies and capsicums. There's native plants and succulents. He's and done an he's amazing job. done an extraordinary job. And there's a few questions here, but I'm going to respond to those by email because we've run out of time today. I'm sorry, but yeah, awesome effort on what he's achieved in that space. Okay. And of course, for those that would like to go over any of the information that we've shared with you today, you can go to our podcast, which is on our website. So you simply go to curtainfm.com.au. On the front page, click on Programs. There's a drop-down bar and it will say Let's Talk Gardening. When you get to that page, you can scroll up and down at the many, many programs that are sitting there and uh, pick the program that you're interested in. It will be dated and uh, you can re-listen at your leisure if there's something there of interest to you. Thank you, Daryl, so much for oh, your... It's always a pleasure. You never know what's going to come across the airwaves. You've got to be... <laughs> no, you never do. So, the beauty yeah. of live radio. That's right. So thanks, Faye and Ray, for having me in. Oh, thank you very much. And also to Bev Daring and John Glidden and our very own Faye Akaro. My gardenism for the morning is nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. Too true. Mm. All right, George Minoldi is up next with the classic 60s. Take care of yourself, everybody, and we shall return next Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.